0: Hey there this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. I was down in the tea shop in our lobby a little while ago talking with a few friends about when I was healed. You may have heard that story. I pulled up some photos of me when I was sick and as I scrolled through them I came to a photo and a little video of when my daughter realized what had happened such sweet memories us hugging and crying and celebrating and as i was about to start recording today's episode i realized what i had been saying a few minutes ago that i was sick and i was healed sure i can say i was healed of brain lesions and generalized dystonia but i wasn't really healed i was in a state in which brain lesions and dystonia were present and then moved into a state in which they were not. I exited that state by accepting or surrendering to the new one. It's all states. And that's how we move through this, this human experience. Now, recognition or experience of ourselves as awareness doesn't mean you walk through life with no desires, completely devoid of identity. You're still here. You're still a human on this earth. Uh, someone commented on my last episode that they don't want to do that. They don't want to give up life by uh, resting in awareness, realizing their true nature. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Not while I'm here. But that's impossible anyway, as long as you're still on earth. You can never be completely desireless. And for those who claim to be, well, they still have a desire to be desire-free and maybe a desire to be known to be so holy and super spiritual. There is a difference between living in want all the time and knowing that your desires are already fulfilled. Back to what I was saying, I couldn't have been healed because I was never actually sick. It's all states of consciousness. Each one of us is the all of God, not fragments. So the same God wearing this feeling twisty mask at the moment is the same one wearing yours, the same one dreaming as you. By the way, if you're interested in getting a a no-nonsense and fun experience of States, check out Koti Thea. I messaged her to confirm the pronunciation of her last name it's spelled like T, but it's not pronounced that way. So, Cote, if I got your name or butchered your last name, forgive me. But check her program out. She has a States Masterclass. I'll put a link to her site in the notes. There is freedom with the realization of this oneness, of our true nature. And that's what Jesus is saying when he tells the disciples that he's disappearing. But there will come a day when... You will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That's awakened imagination, talking God, awareness, personified as a man named Jesus. He's not saying, I will enter you and become one with you when you say the right prayer, ask me nicely at the altar. He's saying, you will realize that I am in you, and I am in my Father, and you're in me. We're all one. It's a realization, a remembering of our true nature, not some second coming from the sky. In Neville Goddard's lecture, God and I are one, he explains, I think very simply, who you are. He says, when you say, I am this, that, or the other, you are declaring yourself to be. And that sense of being is God. Now, what are you going to put on it? god and the eye of man are one when you say i am that is the god of scripture there's a neville goddard lecture that has two versions nearly the same content both from october 28 1968 in natalie burnett's collection it's called the storm and the calm in other collections it's called freedom both are great titles and both are fantastic lectures they're just reworded a little bit. They're all about finding freedom in the experience of your own awareness of being, being God. No more imagining there's any power or influence in secondary causes. The one and only cause being the human imagination. In the lectures, he quotes the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord there's non-duality right there, you'll see it even more clearly if you let go of the archaic language and our present-day ideas and feelings when we hear words like Lord and God, and replace those words with your sense of being. The I am, our I am, is one I am. And that word Israel isn't a group of people or specific nation. Israel is each one of us. It means to rule as God. Here, you who rule as God, the I am, our I am, is one I am. Shema, or here, is a very powerful word, and it has a twofold meaning. Of course, it means to listen, (laughs) pay attention, but a response is expected. Listen and obey, or listen and act. So I hear that there is only one I am, that we are all one. What does that mean? Let me explore that. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer and I will show you unsearchable things, unknowable things. I'll blow your mind. That's you talking to you. Turn to me. Turn within. Stop looking outside of yourself and I will blow your mind. That's, That's the feeling twisty translation. Ephesians chapter four, verse six says the same thing. There is one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I know, father again, what a male dominated book, right? (laughs) Look at it as a metaphor. And the Old Testament refers to God in all sorts of ways. Lord, of course, God, father, husband, potter. Different ways to indicate the creative principle within each one of us. So let's replace father with consciousness. There is one consciousness that is over all, through all and in all. Neville says, so when I read the miracles of scripture, I see them as acted parables. And so why are you afraid? O men of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea. And there was a great calm. That's Mark 4 39. If there's only one cause, he who quelled the wind and the sea is he who caused it. There can't be another. When I see the world and it seems confused to me, and if I resolve it, well, then I who resolved it and that which was resolved was caused by the same being. It can't be another. There is no other. So, If there is only one God and father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all, well then if he is in all, I know he is in me, for I say, I am. I also know he is in every being in this world. But although he is in every being and there are billions, he is in me and there is only one God. Therefore, I can't say that he did it. His name is not he is or she is, his name is forever I am, so I can't pass the buck. No matter what it appears on the outside, I am the cause of the phenomena of life. No matter what it appears to be, it can't be another. If I will accept that fully, assume full responsibility for all the things that I observe, what I do not like, I know I am causing it, and that I have the power to resolve it and change it and exercise that power and see it change in my world if I am willing to assume that responsibility, I am set free. Hmm. I like his use of that story of Jesus and the disciples in the boat when the storm rages. Jesus is asleep there at first. Jesus awakened imagination or sleeping imagination in the beginning, beginning of it. He's asleep, it's asleep. And the boat is us. We are the ark of God containing all things within within us. That's what Neville's saying. That's what he says the boats and arks mean or represent in the Bible. So as Jesus or imagination sleeps, the storm rages. We look around for the source of the storm. Who's causing it? (laughs) Well, who's causing it? Who's rocking the boat? It's me. Mm -hmm. Neville goes on to say, If I completely accept only God can create, and He is my own wonderful human imagination, even though I don't know the people that I am reading about, if I read and I am disturbed by what I read, I am the cause of that storm. But I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming it all, and I don't realize that I am causing everything that I am dreaming because I don't know them. Well, when you awake in the morning, after you slept through the night and you recall the dream, do you always know the figures of the dream? Do you know the children that were yours in the dream or the people who scared you? You didn't know them, never saw them before. Yet how could they be other than what you yourself caused, but you don't recognize them? Yet all these that scared you almost to death were caused by you, the dreamer. The same thing is true here. So I read about them in the papers. I don't know them, but I am the cause of the storm because I slumber, because I sleep. When I awake, then there will be a very marvelous, wonderful calm, and the whole thing will be quiet. Mm, All will be quiet. I love that. It doesn't mean you cease to exist or cease moving from one state of consciousness to another. It's always a never-ending expansion. That doesn't stop you realize now though that there's no need to compare yourself with another's success or continually complain about things you do not like because now you know your world is only showing you 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 understand that you are the cause so who are you comparing yourself to but yourself who and what are you complaining about there's nothing outside of you that doesn't come from you and that is wonderful <laughs> but hey we all do it we all have the capacity to have moments when we react and you know look at things as if they're secondary causes that something seems to be causing a disturbance outside of us you don't have to believe Neville or me <laughs> you got to explore this for yourself exploration of this doesn't require anything but You, your own imagination, that's who Jesus is, your capacity to imagine. It doesn't have to be some mystical experiences or super spiritual processes. I can explore this by using what Neville calls the law of assumption. I can begin to understand my true nature by using my capacity to imagine and capture the feeling of the life I want, anything at all. Neville says consciousness is the only reality. So does the Bible. I, the I am, kill and make alive. I wound and I heal. I make prosperity and disaster. I, the I am, do all these things and there is no other God. There is no other I am. And the Bible says there's nothing made that is not made by I am. Consciousness, imagination. So I will always experience the contents of my consciousness, what I assume to be true about myself and my world. If consciousness is the only reality, then who and what am I conscious of being? Currently, I believe I'm a man named Mike with a wife, a beautiful wife, and five wonderful kids. Well, six, counting my daughter-in-law. I believe I am clothed in a cool cardigan sweater. I love cardigans and sitting at a microphone right now. These things are experienced as a reality to me because that is who and what I am conscious of being. Neville gives us a very simple way of changing our experiences, moving into new states. In his book, Prayer, The Art of Believing, he says that if a particular state would cause or create a particular feeling within you, then you By capturing and sustaining that feeling can objectify the state that would have produced that feeling. The law of reversibility, he calls it. How would I feel? (laughs) Capture that feeling. If I did have this life, the one I want, how would I feel? Go ahead. How would you feel? Let that feeling just flow up from within you. How would you feel if you were already... This or that, whatever it is you want. Now, if you're like me, you might instantly have some butts fly out of your head. What about this? But the money, but where's the money coming from? But they haven't called me back. I haven't gotten a text, but I don't have the right degree. Just let all those objections butt off. (laughs) If you're feeling after the feeling of already being the person you want to be, then there's no need to consider how you got there, how you'd get the money or the person or anything. You're moving into the state where you already have become the thing you want to be, the person you want to be. So there's no need to try to bring in details about how you got there. It's living in the end. What would you be doing today as this new person, having this new life? If your life was going exactly like you want it, what would you be doing right now at this time of day? Would you be listening to me? Mm. What would you be doing? What would a normal day be like? A normal day as, or with this new life, with this desire fulfilled in this new state. Mr. 2020 came up with what, it's it's a genius idea. He calls it the coffee game. It's so simple, but powerful. Take any wish you have and imagine how you would experience your first cup of coffee in the morning, already having that wish fulfilled, already being this new person. I know moving from a state of being broke into a state of wealth or wealth creator or financial freedom I would not be on a normal day checking my bank account saying, wow, look at all this money I have. (laughs) No, because I know I create wealth in this new state, but I can certainly feel the ease of wealth and the comfort of that as I sip my coffee. What a great way to step into a very normal, natural scene, an imaginal act. That you can feel. You can feel the cup of coffee in your hand and bring the cup up to your face as you look out onto the scene, maybe from your new house, a beach, the mountains. Hmm. Experiencing my wish fulfilled is really more about the absence of the feeling of lack and the anxiety, lacking the anxiety that comes with being broke. That pressure is gone. It's more of an ease and comfort because that pressure and anxiety is gone. So for me, fulfillment lacks the lack. (laughs) It's the same feeling that I tried to describe to you in my last episode when I mentioned Dr. Anila Reddy's Unwind. Want to know what I mean by the feeling of the wish fulfilled? Check out that program. Check out Unwind at anilareddy.com unwind. I'll put a link in my notes for her as well. It's an acceptance, knowing that it's done. Oh, this reminds me of a dream I had. I found myself in a tiny room. Now, in the dream, I knew it was a studio, supposed to be a studio, but the room was tiny. There were no cameras, no microphone, no equipment at all just an empty room, maybe 15 by 15 feet. I knew I was there to act. I knew I was an actor and I had a role to play, but there was nothing in there with which to work. So I started complaining out loud. No one was in the room with me. I couldn't see anyone, but I complained anyway about how ridiculous this was for them to expect me to perform in this little room. Then the director's voice came over a speaker encouraging me to just get on with it. (laughs) But I kept complaining. He finally interrupted and said with some annoyance, just hit your mark and trust me. So I did. I moved to my mark and delivered my line. Now what I said, I don't remember, but as soon as I finished, the whole scene changed and I was sitting next to the director looking back at myself, delivering that line. But the scene, oh, it was beautiful. I was outside now. There were trees and buildings and a beautiful blue sky, and there were people all around doing their uh, peopling activities, doing their thing. It was a beautiful scene. And I shouted, amazing. And the director nudged my shoulder. I told you to trust me. That's what we do. We act. We hit our mark in imagination. We enter the state of our choosing with the feeling of its reality, and we trust imagination, our true self, to unfold it perfectly. Playing with this, exploring imagination or awareness is, I believe, the simplest way to discover our true nature. I can I've said that many times before, and I can repeat it again and again. You can read all of Neville's stuff and hire the best teachers and coaches but it's still going to come down to you. Play with this. I talk about that in episode 194, children at play and episode 201, it's up to you. The more you play in and explore the wonders of your imagination, you'll fine tune this process. You'll imagine the fulfillment of your wish, hit your mark and trust the state to bring it about perfectly. Most of the people I speak with who have awakened and or have experienced the promise, as Neville describes it, say it seemed to come upon them suddenly. Most of them tell me that. Others say that it came about gradually. But all tell me that they first began turning to imagination daily. They committed to no longer be victims to secondary cause. Neville says something similar in Awake, O Sleeper. Your desires are not subjective, intangible things, but solidly real. Begin to awaken the Christ in you by clothing your subjective desires in objective reality. I promise you, the day you do this, they will become facts in your world. Become extremely observant and honest with yourself and watch the energy that formerly moved into negative states flow into your greater aim. Okay, I'm going to wrap with one more quote. This is from Neville's lecture, Trust Imagination. The day will come and he will awaken within you. When, and I trust it is now, that I could turn you from this world of seeming reality on the outside to the world of imagination, so you actually live in your own wonderful human imagination. If you do, and you really turn into a being who believes in the reality of his own imaginal acts, you are on the verge of rebirth if man only realized what he's doing when he's talking seemingly idly who cares who knows who knows the only one who cares knows and he's your own wonderful human imagination and that's god that's the jehovah of the old testament and jesus of the new and there is no other god he's buried in you and he's dreaming in you and surely you want to awake. Well, you'll awake the day that you actually move into the life of imagination, where you trust your imagination and live in it. You're not far from the threshold of rebirth. I love you. I'm feeling twisty.